stand up for yourself And I'll back you up Cause problems don't solve themselves I'll tell you what Instead of would or could I think you should Draw a line in the sand and stand your ground It's for your own good It was about two months back, and I was in a room with a family, and we were discussing how the family would be responding to their family member who was dealing with uh, substance use disorders. And this person had been into, uh, it was about an eight-year-long addiction, and uh, they were trying to decide, you know, where was the end of this, what was coming next, so they were perfect candidates for the Family Solution Finder Learning Series, primarily because they were interested and they wanted to learn. They were willing to make change, and uh, they, they saw the value of uh, education at this point. But they were still in the phrase of it. And so I asked a provocative question for the time because they, I knew they weren't really ready for it, but I wanted them to realize that this, this has a purpose. The learning has a purpose. And I said to them, so how's the family going to reunite? And the father leads back and he looks at me and he said, what, are you kidding me? (laughs) Well, no, I wasn't kidding, but it was like not an appropriate time for us to truly get into the dialogue. But it was kind of a shakeup of the next conversation was, no, I'm not kidding you, because that's the purpose of what we're doing. And I wanted them to kind of have the end in mind, although there's really no end to this. It's a, it's a lifelong disease. But I wanted them to kind of see the value of doing this education and what it was going to mean to them. Hello, my name is Roy Poyan, and I want to welcome you to another episode of The Voice of Families and Addiction, a podcast for families to have a voice in their journey with substance use disorders. The purpose of us going through these different topics is primarily from NIH, SAMHSA, ASAM, clinically proven articles, empirically proven best practices. We know what you're going to go through. Um, Designing a a medium, a channel, a communication link between the knowledge that's already been scientifically uh, distributed and and you, the family, is a real challenge. There's a huge gap between the two. Uh, primarily families don't know to come out for education and primarily the industry hasn't created a forum for them to receive the education. So there's some real serious missing links. Oh my gosh, then where does that put the thought of reconciliation and, and, and reuniting the family? I mean, what hopes do we have if we can't even get like that much together? Well, that's why we're here. That's why we're giving you a voice. That's why we've created Family Solution Finder Learning Series, is to provide you and arm you and empower you so that you can start to build that bridge. And it's kind of like, to heck with them if they're not going to do it. We're, we're families. I mean, let's face it. We're the ones that got into wagons and went across the West. It wasn't the government that did it. It was us. We, we created America. We are America. We are families. And we do have a voice, but we want to have a voice that's informed. And for doing that, <laughs> this is the purpose of you listening and, and viewing uh, the, these episodes. So today 
we'd like to take some time and go into a thing called trust. And if the word was just spelled out, T-R-U-S-T, trust, we would think, okay, there's a lot of brokenness there. Um, Well, yeah. Is it broken because of the disease? No. You mean substance use brain disorder is a disease and you're wondering whether trust was broken because of the disease? The answer is no, not because of the disease, but because of the behavior that came from the disease. See, there's an advantage to knowledge. It gives you the affordability of being able to reason and use logic and judgment and separate the two. Separating the behavior from the disease is really, really important. When you start to consider the steps towards reuniting the family, when you start to, in your own mind, look at your trauma and say, why the heck did this happen? Because it really, like you you would agree, I'm sure we all would agree, it never should have happened. Drug addiction does not belong in the families. It just, it's oblique, it's coercive, uh, it's, 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 it's disruptive, it's everything that's bad, and it just was not generated by the family. It's not like the family went down and got a bunch of chemistry kits and created this thing called fentanyl, okay? It was brought over open borders in mass quantities and shipped into our streets and brought to our families, sometimes by an emoji on, 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 on Instagram. Uh, that's how easy the supply chain is to reach us. Where's trust in all that? I mean, Roy, who are we, who are we suggesting we're trusting here? Well, I kind of think I'd like to start with you. And it, the first thought is, now, wait a second. I'm a family member. I'm not the one that's misusing uh, substances. Why are you picking and singling me out? Well, because we each have a place in this thing called trust. And now I'm not using the word trust. I'm using the word trust as an acronym. So I'm changing out on us here. Follow me on this. The T.R.U.S.T. So with that in mind, trust is an, an acronym for together recognizing our unidentified U, stress, S, trauma, T. So with that in mind, we're now saying to the family, uh, we need for you to go through a trust model. And that will get you started. Because often we, you know, and this is at year three. This isn't the minute they hit, you know, rehab, uh, the rehab, and they're just getting out of de- detox, and they're just going into ILP, and you're saying, great, let's reunite the family. It's like, no. That's not going to really happen for another couple of years, more than likely. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen before then, but being realistic, you, you need to give the idea that, you know, they, they've got a lot to learn, a lot to change in what they're doing. And oddly enough, we forgot to tell the family this. So I'm going to tell you today, you as family members have a lot of learning and change to do also. And we're going to get into that uh, today and why we're saying that. So when we look at the word together, recognizing unidentified stress and trauma, let's, let's kind of take a, a minute, and, uh, and for those that are watching this on video, you can see me flipping the page. For those that are listening to audio, you're just hearing the page flip. 
And, and the first thought is together, okay? But it's like together doing something, okay? Together recognizing, T-R in the T-R-U-S-T, trust. So in together recognizing, the, the, the question is, who are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the individual person that's misusing substances, okay? They need to be in on this. And we're also talking about each member of the family. They need to be on on this. I mean, let's face it. We're talking about reuniting the family. You're at around year three, moving into year five. At year five, they dropped to less than 15% likelihood of relapse. And did you know that a family that goes through family therapy, statistically proven, relapse can drop to as much as 60% drop. What I just said was, you can cut the relapses in half if the family goes for family therapy. It's been proven. So don't do it and watch what happens. Do it and watch what happens. The choice is yours. So with this in mind, when we're looking at trust, together recognizing is the T and the R. And so the question is, well, okay, let's, let's kind of work on this as a, as a worksheet. So we get a piece of paper. Don't do this if you're driving. And we write a line across, and we turn it landscape, um, uh, and we, we draw a line across the top, and we draw, a, a, you know, like a zero, and we say, okay, you recall that there were uh, six, st- basic six stages in addiction from experimenting to full addiction. And where are you in that? And that's going to tell you a little bit about some of your timeline. Okay, so when did you first notice behavior that would suggest that um, this person is misusing substances? Oh, we noticed it in um, January of 2020. Oh, okay, then put down 2020. What happened? Well, um, you know, uh, my mother found... um, a crack pipe in his drawer, his bedroom drawer, and she didn't know what it was. Okay, but what happened with that? Well, she was very frightened and and concerned, and she started crying. Okay, so is it safe to say that on that little time hatch, on that timeline going across the page, you would write down, in 2020, Bob discovers Jack's pipe. Give it a label, and then put down, was it stress or was it trauma? Well, believe it or not, if you were to talk to a therapist, that was probably little t trauma. But you'll learn about that as we go forward in other sessions and with your professional, which I'm encouraging you to have on board. So with this in mind, you're now taking a look at this specific time, this specific incident. You're giving it a label, and you're saying stress or trauma. Okay, what happened here to mom? And then the question is, it might be like there's two little lines that lead off of the word mom that says, and mom told dad. Okay, then put a dad down because now dad's involved in this stress. And then when we were at the dinner table, they talked to Jack. Well, okay, was there anybody else present? His little sister and his little brother. Okay, well, now put the little sister, put the little brother, because now with this one finding of that crack pipe, the fact is now the dad, the his brother and sister are now stressed. See how this works? The whole family is wrapped into this disease. And this is just the first hack mark on a timeline in 2020 in January. Well, what happened next? Okay, well, it wasn't much longer that because they had noticed this, 
they were paying more attention. And they realized that Jack wasn't um, get, getting to his job. And uh, they thought that he might have lost his job. That became a big discussion uh, in our living room one morning. It was a Saturday morning. Um, it was February, uh, you know, at late February. Okay, put it on the timeline. Now, write down what what was Jack, what was Jack's response? Uh, Jack got really mad that, that they were accusing him of something that they didn't know anything about. Okay, what was the mom's response and dad's response? And and and, and mom said, you know, that to to dad that he needed to call the employer. And then Jack said, don't you dare call my employer. You know, it'll get me fired. They don't even know about anything. And, well, okay, was the little brother and sister in the room or were they upstairs? They were upstairs, but they could hear the yelling. Okay, that's stress. Mark it down. And go through all the way up to now. Whether it's trauma or stress, who it happened to, when it happened, what was said, look at the individual, look at Jack, how did he respond, what was his sense of reality in this, and then look at all the other people that were involved and what was their stress and their response, and, and then you know move to the next one. So with that in mind, you've created a list of each stress and each trauma on a timeline leading from you know, what we would refer to as full addiction or whatever part of the six stages in, addic in the addiction journey this person happens to be in. So then you move on to, okay, well then eventually, you know, because now we're talking about we're in recovery, so something happened between now and then. Yeah, um, you know, he got arrested. Oh boy, well, that, that, that's not good. Oh, you're not kidding. Around three o'clock in the morning, dad was called. Um, Jack had called him and said he was down in county county. Uh, jail and then they had already processed him and dad was mad why didn't you call me when they first arrested you I would have come down dad feels like you know Jack isn't letting him you know offer his help and he's just calling him when he's in dire straits now which is true and now mom and dad it's five o'clock in the morning they're still up talking in the kitchen and uh, the kids are getting up a little bit earlier because they're hearing all this rustling going on and they got to get it to school. Um, uh, Billy, the, the little boy, he's got a uh, he's got a t-ball game, uh, but boy, Dad's so mad. I don't even know that you know he's going to be able to get me to the t-ball thing. And um, the the little sister, she's got a play date coming up. But um, you know, it seems like my friend doesn't want to uh, you know have me over, and I'm not sure why. Um, little do they know. Those parents have found out about Jack, and they were concerned to have their daughter around this family's daughter. So without them really knowing it, the, 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 the stigma is starting to settle in on the family members. So now this is like unidentified stress. Remember the you and unidentified? Remember this timeline that we're creating that goes on the timeline? Now they're not unidentified anymore. See, that's the beauty of the trust program. The first thing it does is it requires that you itemize and inventory all of the stresses and the dates and who was impacted and what were their responses. So the, the unidentified, the you, uh, now we're going T-R-U in the word trust. Who gets involved in this? Well, the person and the family. 
both parties. Now, when you, when you did the worksheet and the timeline, you did that separate. So Jack, Jack would not have been in the room with the family members. They would, each family member would have done it for themselves and on a sheet of paper, the mom on her sheet, the dad on her sheet, you know, Billy and, and his sister on the other sheet. Uh, and, and then Jack himself would have done one. They, they would not have compared them because then they get into discussions and arguments of, oh, that's not how it happened, you know, and we try and rewrite history. Um, so then each person brings their sheet into more of a group discussion where a master sheet is created. This is the way Jack saw it. This is the way the mother saw it, the father saw it, Billy, the little brother, and Donna, the little sister, okay? Because each person matters in the functionality of the family as a system in the way that the family dynamic is strengthened. Strengthened. <laughs> That's why we're doing this. We're not doing this because we want to make a list of why we think you're, you're a bad person. That's not what this is. This is a list of identifying and labeling stress and trauma so that you could go back and give each of those air. Each of those. Wow, what an advantage for the family. You're going to be able to take what it is that's happened to you and, and orient it in a way that's healthy for you. You'll be able to put it in a place that is satisfying your needs as the person that it happened to. And that's what trauma therapy is going to involve. And you might sit there and think, well, time out, Roy. You know, we're, we're talking about I'm a family member and I'm going to go into trauma therapy? Uh, you know, what, you think we're in combat? Well, yeah, actually, emotionally, maybe not physically, but yeah, emotionally, you were. I mean, this never should have happened. All of this never should have happened. It was kind of an unwritten contract when you're a member of a family that you won't do these kind of things because it, you know, without having to have it said to you or for you to say it, you know this is bad mojo for the family. And if you're the one that brings it in, hate to say it, but, you know, not good, not good. And we'll all have to deal with it now. We'll all have to deal with what? Well, we'll all have to deal with this thing that happened. Well, what's the deal part in this? You mean how we respond? Absolutely. Well, how are you suggesting that we respond to something that's so traumatic and stressful and hurtful and painful? With love. With family love. With courage. With vulnerability. With empathy. This is a disease. Consider the fact that this person in the disease state called out and said, somebody help me, I'm drowning. This drug is taking over my mind and I can't control myself. Don't you see from my behavior what this is doing to me? Help me, I'm drifting away. And the family is saying, you're, it looks like you're drifting away. And why the heck did you ever take the drug? You know, and we don't know what to do with you. We don't know what to do for you. We just don't know. We don't know where to go. We don't know who to ask for. That's the situation, okay, for most families, for a lot of families, not all, but 
That's the situation. So that's the trauma. And it did happen. And now you have yourself to sit there and say, all right, well, we have to get some, you know, accumbents about this. We need to kind of assemble how, how we're going to respond. Well, by, by, by making it so identified instead of unidentified, you're on a great path, okay? So now what we're going to do, up oh, there it goes. For those that are watching, you watched it flip. For those that are listening, you listen to it. Uh, on the next sheet, we're looking at stress. So who's stress? What's stress? Well, we, we need for you to learn about what stress is. We're not going to do this in this episode. That's that's a for some for some for some courses. That's a three week you know learning session in academics and studies and stuff like that. But you can do this, and we're asking you to do this. We need for you as a family to learn what stress is. Not the little colloquial. Oh, stress is when you're not mindfulness and stuff like that. No, no. We need to. You need to get on the internet. You need to go see some YouTubes. You need to pull down some clinical papers. You need to understand what stress is and what it's not. And I'm asking you to do the same thing for trauma. There's a lot out there on trauma now. If you had done this you know, 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't have found as much. But there's a lot of great content on the internet in clinical papers, articles, psychology today, NIH, SAMHSA, addiction and trauma. Um, There's been a lot written on post-traumatic stress disorder, which we tend to think is a war thing. It's not. Post-traumatic stress disorder can happen to, you know, your basic everyday person or child. Um, But once identified and diagnosed, it's great news because now you know what it is, and there's some really good treatments and therapies that can be combined to, to help you get through it. And you do get through it, by the way. So... Don't be scared of PTSD. Um, If that's the direction it's going, embrace it. Understand that you will conquer it and that there's some very easy and successful tools once you follow them and and own them and make them yours that that you can really have a good feeling. Now, when, when we've done all this, what do we do with it? Meaning you've done the worksheets, you've, you've done the timeline. Okay. And uh, together you've recognized and you've identified, you've gone from unidentified the you to identifying, you know, what exactly it is and what, you know, how did it take place and who did it impact. And then you looked at getting more educated on stress and more educated on trauma. Great, right? <laughs> what do we do with it? I mean, how is this of any value? Our heads are getting bigger because we think we know more. And we do. We do. Now, now you, now you go to get a, get a therapist. You absolutely go and get a therapist. Let's cut out the let's cut out the silliness here. You you call up your HMO and you get in touch with the behavioral health part of the product that you're you're you know you're paying for, and like if it's Humana, Aetna, you know Cigna, uh, Anthem, you know, whoever your whoever your uh, care source, whoever whoever your health plan HMO or PPO is, get in touch with them and ask to speak to somebody that does the uh, case management and utilization and authorization for um, treatment of families that are dealing with substance use disorders. And when you get that person on the phone, they've got a screen in front of them, and they've got a list of all the in-network providers because they want you to stay in-network because they don't want to pay you know, for somebody that's not contracted. 
and you ask them if they would look up and find a Bowen, B-O-W-E-N, a Bowen practicing family therapist. And you're looking for a strategic or structure or multi-level family therapy. Come on now. I'm not, I'm not going to send you down and ask you to buy just any tire. I want you to buy Michelin's. And, and the reason is that they've studied this, these, these protocols in Bowen Family Therapy. Marie Bowen uh, started this uh, level of, of understanding successful empirically proven studies. It's also recommended by SAMHSA that these are the studies and the modalities that are applied to family members in their therapy. The NIH, um, Psychology Today, you're going to find a lot of people support you asking for Bowen Family Therapy. So enough said about that. What I do not want you to do is to, number one, stop and skip over and say, we're not getting a therapist. All right, well, you just blew it. <laughs> I don't mean to be rude or, or you know, kind of like pushy. But the fact is, if you don't end this with getting a family therapist, you're, you're nowhere off better than when you started to look at this. It's only with a professional, a licensed professional, that you're going to be able to formulate your game plan. And that would be the purpose. And maybe there's, there's a couple of people in the family that would also benefit. You, you don't know until you kind of look to see. And with a professional's eyes looking at it, the likelihood of you seeing what's correct is, is increased significantly. As opposed to you sit there and say, hey, we, we don't have any individual problems in our family. You know, it's just Jack. It's like, that's probably not true, but okay. So with that in mind, there are some questions that we need to ask. And we're asking questions not because we're going to seem smart, but we, we want to know the answers. The answers to what? Well, I'm going to propose that we look at three key areas to ask questions in. And it's okay to ask a lot of questions and bring a pencil and paper and be willing to go back and study and learn on each of these topics. You, you might sit there and say, oh, Roy, what is all this about learning? You're in a knowledge deficit right now. The, we've discussed this before. The drug epidemic thrives on ignorance. The cartels are counting on the American families saying dumb. And the more ignorant we are, the further they get to dig into our society. We need to get smart at the family level. And that's going to give the family the voice that we need to truly combat this epidemic. And so with that in mind, recompense is a word I just, I don't ever see it in any of the literature, in any of the discussions. And, and you might sit there and say, well, <laughs> actually, none of us, actually, none of us really see it very often. Recompense means making amends for something that's lost a harm that's been caused. Offenders should recompense their victims. Uh, the Bible talks about recompense. You know, not an eye for an eye, that's not the one. But to, you know, kind of like pay back that which was taken or make good on that which was lost. So with that in mind, it's good for us to use the word recompense. Recompensation, okay, recompensizing. So when we start to look at recompense, we're looking at both parties need to recompense. And then this, the, the idea is, well, now, wait a second. He's the one that did all the problems. It was his behavior. It wasn't ours. It's like, well, let's, let's step back for a minute. 
let's let's take a look at what we really don't want to look at. How did you respond when he said, I can't breathe. Help me. I'm taking drugs, and that's what's causing me to do this. Help me. I mean, it's not really breathing. It's The fact is, I'm suffering. Well, many families say, you need to get help. You need to stop doing this. But they didn't take the time to learn what's going on. They used their basic general knowledge of what they think was going on, and they responded from that. Then when the behaviors started to become stress and trauma to the family members, again, they didn't learn how to respond. They used their basic skills of life and things that they have learned and maybe the way that the family culture and dynamic works, and that's where they responded from. The outcome was probably pretty bad for the person that's suffering from the addiction. The family, had they known more at the time, which is asking a lot, because very few families are game up on all this when it's first happening. They, they learn more as they go through. It's kind of like if I only knew then what I know now, how much better I probably would have responded. Hindsight being 2020 kind of colloquialisms are very true in this regard. So when we're looking at what, what, what could be the response, um, it probably wasn't the response we would be proud of. We backed away from them. We were scared. We were angry. We were dealing with the trauma of the behavior and the incidences that it created. The issues that we had to face were exhausting and stressful. We pushed back. So are you telling me that this person is basically almost killing themselves with this drug and you pushed them away? We knew we couldn't help them. So the best thing to do was to, you know, not give them money. And well, that's true. It was. Okay. I agree. I agree. I have to agree. I think most of the industry would agree that there are really tough things that you have to do to help this person realize over the drug screaming at them to go out and do whatever they can to get the next fix, because that's what's happening, um, to then stop using and kind of dry up a little, and then maybe the cravings are still going, but the drug isn't present, and their logic and reasoning is being a little bit more better understood and participating in their thought life, and now they're going to an IOP, and they're learning how to quiet their mind so that they can use the prefrontal cortex of their brain and not have pleasure on the left side override uh, the right side as much. And that continues to grow. I'm sorry, where was the family in their growth? While he was in the treatment center? This person's trying very hard while they're in the IOP to figure out how they can better and get better and get to the place that they want to be. They're trying very hard, typically. And by the way, an overwhelming majority of people, and this really needs to be understood, achieve successful lifelong recovery. It's a different kind of life for them. It'll never be the norm of what was before this happened. But quality of life-wise, you know, they typically can achieve a good quality of life in recovery for the rest of their lives. How about the family? Is there such a thing as family recovery? Yes, there is. Do we see an awful lot of it out there? Starting to, starting to. Hasn't been an awful lot up to now, but we're starting to see that more often. 
So if we're doing recompense, what are we actually doing? Well, you're bringing both parties together to try and figure out what does Jack need to do for me, the dad, to feel that I've been made whole on what he did. Okay. Well, Jack came through as part of his step 12 step program. I forgot which one it is. Number four. Uh, correct me if I'm mistaken. Give me a call. Let me know. 440-385-7605. I'm always ready to learn. I do have the big book, by the way. And so with that in mind, um, part of that uh, journey for them in 12 step is to come back and say to people, I'm sorry. And, and extremely often it's very genuine. And, and if they're doing it, it should be treated by that as the person that's receiving it. However, the dad didn't do it. And you might say, well, what do you mean, Roy? Remember, the dad pulled back on this person when he was suffering. Well, yeah, but we already said that's what he should do. And, you know, given the skills that he had to cope with the, what was being done, it's reasonable. Yeah, no, I get all that. But it happened just the same, remember? And because it happened, there's a certain degree of a recompense that the father needs to do with the son. Now, he's not getting the advantage of this, what the son's getting. He doesn't have a professional and empirically proven study material that's helping him guide himself as dad. That might come in the future, but it's not here right now to any large degree. So we're going to make you aware of this today. It's kind of cruel because we don't have an exact answer to you on what to do. Oh, wait a second. Didn't we just tell you, go see a therapist and ask for Bowen Family Therapy? Okay, so that applies here. Absolutely. It applies to the entire trust program. So now what we're doing is we're bringing both people together to discuss what each person needs in order to reconcile or to identify, you know, what, what has happened and what they need to see happen in order to feel more whole or given back to from what was taken or denied. And that's for both parties. I got to do it as dad for, for Jack. Jack has to do it for me. See how healthy this is? Now, given, this is not, once again, this is not when they get discharged out of, you know, an IOP. You know, you wait, you wait till like year three. They, they have to have a pattern of, you know, feeling good about their self-esteem and other things um, before they really come into this dialogue. They're not ready for it. And to be honest with you, either is the family. So it'll be, it'll be push and pull up to then. But both parties of the relationship are, are justified in their reasons for why they feel the way they feel. I think up to now we kind of felt like we were justified as families to feel the way they feel, and we'll be darned if we'll give Jack that. You know, He doesn't have any reason, because he created this, he's the person that should always feel bad. It's like, no, there were things that we did that you know we're not proud of, that had we known more about the fact that it's a brain disease, we might not have done. You, you probably would have and should have you know, not given him money, that's a good thing, or housing and things like that. Because those are the types of things that cause him not to have consequences, and that's not going to be good either. So, very confusing. I, I agree. So, the individual offers recompense to each of the family members, and each of the family members offers recommend, recompense to the individual. Kind of see where this is kind of a good thing when you, when you really look at the way it's breaking down. So, what are we doing with this recompense? Well, we're reconciling. And what does reconciling mean? Well, reconciling causes to coexist. So you're doing things that cause you the ability 
to coexist in harmony. Okay? Don't forget that. So you recompensed your, you know, your wrongdoings, and now you're coming into reconcile. And the reason that you're doing reconcile is that you're trying to define, define, you're trying to make a definition that is new for your relationship in order to function in, in harmony. Whoa. Well, you know that's going to take a family therapist. That's right. Bowen Family Therapy, Structure, Strategic, or Multi-Level will do just that for you. Okay? So with that in mind, the individual and each of the family members is required to change. It's like, oh, gosh, Roy, seems like that's all we're doing. Well, more than likely, your change in the past was you're reactive because you didn't have all the knowledge that we're going to be giving you over these next episodes. And if you're taking family fentanyl and families in harm's way, the television episodes of the 32 issues that cover all the characteristics of your lifelong journey with substance use disorders, then you're going to be incredibly informed. If you act on them, then you'll be empowered. But with that in mind, so these, these materials are out there, and they're all, like we had said over and over again, this is SAMHSA, Empirically Proven Studies, NIH, uh, Best Practices, ASAM, uh, Psychology Today. None of the content is ours. So with that in mind, the worksheet that you're looking for for Reconcile is what will it take to exist in harmony? What's it going to take? That's what Reconciling is about. And then how to complete this task. Because those are the two things that you need to be asking and seeking an answer for. So reconcile. We've gone through recompense. And we've gone through reconcile. And the third one is reunite. That's usually where we start off with. Um, and I kind of laugh a little because it seems so silly. You know, somebody will sit there and say, you know what? Let's go. We need to reunite. You know, it's been three years. Jack's doing much better. Let's get back together as a family. Ah, good luck with that, you know, because it's not going to happen that easy. We just showed you you need to make changes. We just showed you you need to write an inventory. You need to give labels to the stresses and the identity to the traumas. And you need to do it on a timeline so you kind of remember how it happened and what sequence it unfolded itself in your past life because it's now a part of your life. Remember, you're the family member and you're in recovery from a disease known as substance use disorders. It's the family's disease. Jack's in recovery. Are the members of the family in recovery? In a sense of they are family members inside a family system where the dynamic relationships of the family have been significantly dis disrupted. Remember January 2020 and mom finding Jack's crack pipe. Remember how many people in the family were impacted with that stress? And then what happened in February? That's why this timeline is so important. So that you can sit there and say, okay, well, we need to reunite on each of these. No, Roy, we need to reunite on the whole thing. Oh, that's an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah, you're not going to take huge chunks out of it. You won't be able to chew it and swallow it. You won't be able to make any you know, purpose or sense out of it. So when you reunite, what are you talking about? Well, first of all, reuniting is a process. It's not an event. You don't, you don't sit down and say, hey, we're going to reunite tonight. And, uh, and then tomorrow we're going to the movies. Um, so you're going to look at it as a process. 
you're going to have on board a licensed pract uh, professional, either counselor or a therapist or a coach, you know, meaning um, a mental health coach or a drug addiction coach or a family addiction coach. Uh, there's, lot, there's lots of choices out there now, and thank God for that. Um, so in this process, you might even want to create a new timeline. This is our recovery timeline. And so that you can identify with, it's, it's nice to have progress notes where you sit there and say, hey, no, we have come pretty far, you know. I mean, I remember when we first started this. Look in our book, you know, on, on, on April 29th of, you know, uh, 2023, 20, 20, we, uh, we started family therapy. And these are the things that we were dealing with. These were the stresses and traumas we were identifying. So now we're able to, to go even further in that. So now you're looking at significant changes in reconcile. That's what reconcile is. It's not about he's going to do this and I'm going to do that. It's more about I am going to do this and I am going to make the changes in accordance with the reconciling, you know, kind of like an agreement and being uh, guided and coached by our family therapists. I know that I'm on track. These are the right things that I am going to do. Reconcile is an I thing, not a them thing or a you better thing. I'm not going to reconcile with you until you do. Okay, the reason is you can't control somebody else. You can only control yourself. So we're asking you to do that as both parties take time. So what are the first things that you're going to have to reconcile? We'd suggest that you take a look at um, uh, Abraham Murray's 1943 work, in the area of uh, Maslow, I, I didn't say Maria, I meant to say Abraham Maslow, in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So what must be considered in this framework is that both parties, both parties, look at the term safety, emotional safety, physical safety, future safety, financial safety, and, and, and get an understanding of, and they're reuniting, where does safety play a role? and then start to look at the other parts of Maslow's hierarchy needs, which is love and belonging. Belonging to themselves, the sharing of belonging to others in the family, and then outside the family and in the community, and in the things and the goals that we have in our life that we want to aspire towards. The, the next one in the kind of the pyramid of the hierarchy, you'll see it designed as a pyramid, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, is self-esteem. So, you know, who's responsible for self-esteem? Well, you are, okay? You're responsible for your own self-esteem. But you're also responsible not to hurt the self-esteem of others. That's just called being kind, loving, and empathetic. So the other action, but you're not responsible for their self-esteem. Only they can be responsible for that. And then uh, for the family and each individual in the family together, self-actualization. And what that means is you're, you're, you're becoming aware, you've got goals, um, you've got a plan, you're, you're actualizing and becoming real with uh, where it is that you want to go. So once again, this is part of your, your growth position and what you're doing for um, your therapy sessions with a professional. And all that this did, all trust did, was it prepared you, as do all of our materials, for seeking the, the, uh, the inclusion of a licensed professional. 
Well, we hope that this uh, information on together recognizing unidentified stress and trauma with the uh, recompense and the, um, the, the, the reunite and the reconcile, not necessarily in that order, um, would, was helpful for you to review today. And, and if you'd like to, give us a call or email us, familiesimpactedbyopioids at gmail.com or uh, go to our website, familiesimpactedbyopioids.com. Uh, and what you'll find there is a lot of the materials that we presented here, we've presented there. We've got some videos on there. We've also have a YouTube channel uh, titled Fentanyl and Families in Harm's Way that offers 32 episodes uh, TV production uh, done down here at, at Bat TV in, in, in Brunswick. And what we've also done is we're now including these um, these podcasts. So you have a plethora of information. All this, again, is, is empirically proven study work. None of the content is ours. We're just bringing it to you in a way that hopefully will get you started. We once again caution you, don't act on anything we're telling you. Use this as a starting point to seek a professional. Bring them into your realm. And then from there, create the plans that you need that will be guided with somebody who's much more knowledgeable, especially in some of these more specific areas of mental health when it's a dual diagnosis with substance use disorders. And don't ever leave out the medical diagnosis also. Thank you very much. Good luck in your journey. Look for our next episode, and God bless you. Stand up for yourself, and I'll back you up. These problems don't solve themselves. I'll tell you what, instead of would or could, I think you should draw a line in the sand and stand your ground. It's for your own good.